reading for today comes from Proverbs. Proverbs 18 and Proverbs 12. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. It's Proverbs 18 verse 21. Proverbs 12 verse 18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I love that. I love seeing uh, Bishop Sam. He's an incredible leader, incredible man. Um, and I'm so thankful for the partnership that we have with that uh, organization there. Um, get to know more. It's pretty amazing uh, what God is doing and what he does through our relationship with them. It's pretty cool. So, uh, well, thanks for being here. My name's Nathan. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're going to look at the Proverbs again today. Um, let me pray for us and we'll jump into God's word. Father, we need your help. We need you to speak. Um, we need to hear from you. Um, God, both uh, words of rebuke from you, as well as words of forgiveness and comfort and hope. God, I pray that you would do that work in us. Together we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your greatest enemy? Some of you probably picture a person or a situation, you know, maybe an illness political party. What, what is the greatest threat to your well-being and the well-being of those closest to you? Or maybe, maybe another way of saying, saying, what is the thing that's most likely to ruin your life? It's not what you think. According to Tony Evans, listen to this, he says, your greatest enemy is not in your home. Your greatest enemy is not on your job. Your greatest enemy is not that person at church who gets on your every last nerve. Your greatest enemy is in your own mouth. The three-inch muscle in your mouth has more power to destroy your life and to do it quickly than anything or anyone else. Your tongue I think we know it, right? I mean, when I saw that I was on the schedule to preach this one as I came back from sabbatical, I mean, my first thought, guilt. I, gotta, I, don't, I don't want to. Like, Reed would be so much better at this. He's, he's the nice one. Ask anyone, okay? I, I, if, I, if I were to look back in my life, of all the times I've had to apologize, most of them have been around my words. And the kicker is, and you know this, right? It's most often with the people that we love the most, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we had those moments where, like, the words aren't even all the way out yet, and you're like, oh, get back in, right? And it, it doesn't matter. You can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. You can try to say a million nice things to sort of cover it up. And that there are things that we say that will never be forgotten by the people closest to us. And you know that's true because you and I carry the wounds as well, don't we? Of what others have said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, give me a break. Like some of you are, you, you define your life based on that careless word some parent or teacher or coach once said to you. Others of you, you I mean, you would do anything just for a kind word from anyone. And it's only gotten worse, Right? Because now our words could be instantaneous, permanent, everywhere, and you don't even have to watch the person crumble in front of you, right? 
I saw this picture this week. Look at this. Rank these from most to least unhealthy. I mean, I don't know about you, but the Big Mac kind of sounds good right now, doesn't it? I tell you what, if, if the Proverbs were written today, how many of them would be about social media? Man, we get in trouble, don't we? And even, even so, like this isn't a 21st century problem. Yes, there are uniquenesses today that we can recognize and experience, right? Because our words are so permanent and so, so widespread in their reach. And yet this is, this is as old as humanity. In fact, like 3, 000, nearly 3,000 years ago, a collection of teachings were brought together. They're called the Proverbs. We've been studying them. It's a long time ago. And I, try, I tried to count up this week how many Proverbs, how many verses are about our words. I quit when I got to about 130. Like it is all over. This is, not, this is not a new problem for us. And we know that we need help. Our words have incredible power, whether you're a Christian or not, young or old, right? Whatever your background. The reality is, one of the most powerful tools in your possession, for good or for evil, is your words. For with your words, you have the power to kill and the power to heal. We've all experienced both. We've all contributed to both. You can become a murderer with a word or a healer. Your tongue, I mean, it's not just your, your greatest enemy. It also be one of your greatest assets. And so let me ask, will you kill or will you heal? What will it be? Death? Death or life? Listen to that verse again. I love hearing it from Sam, verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 21. It's so simple. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Proverbs, all over the place, right, refers to the mouth of the righteous. It calls it choice silver, a fountain of life, deliverance, protection, joy, delight. But the mouth of the wicked is violent bloodthirsty, and foolish. Well, it's a good thing we don't have any wicked people here, right? Right? I mean, we know better, don't we? Because every one of us, and this is what's so hard about this subject, every one of us abuses our words. Every one of us. And every one of us has been abused by others with their words. We know it, and we need help with it. And so let's, let's take a glimpse first at the three main types of murdering words in the Proverbs. Three main types, because God forgive me, I am guilty of all of them. So words, words that kill, it's lies, gossip, and bullying. It's going to be fun, right? Lies. Please, Nathan, really? Lies? Everybody lies. Like, I mean, think back. How many lies did you, or half-truths, or partial deceptions, or exaggerations did you make this past week? Like, we do it, we do it all the time. So, what, what is a lie? We should probably start with some basic definition. What's a lie? Well, simply put, a lie is any attempt to deceive with our words, lack of words, or actions. It's any attempt to deceive and, and maybe, maybe to help us understand, like, we do it typically, right, to make ourselves look better, 
right, to save face, uh, maybe to, to hurt another person, um, to get her own way, or ultimately, right? I mean, if I think about the lies I've told, it's usually because I just think it's going to be easier, right? I mean, fundamentally, when we deceive, it is self-centered, isn't it? I mean, that, that's at the core of it. And we know that. I don't think anybody's going to argue that lies are selfish. I mean, typically speaking, right, when we do them. But are they really that big a deal? Well, let me ask, if you were to make a list of the things you think God hates the most, what would be on that list? Do you know there is that list? It's Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. It's like, you know, like super hate, right? An abomination to him. What are they? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plants, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. I mean, two of the seven are lying. I mean, it's right up there with murder and organized crime, right? Like, why is it such a big deal? We're all guilty. Why does God hate it so much? I think it comes down to this. You see, you and I were created for community, right? Like, we we are made with relationships in mind, and nothing destroys community like an erosion of trust. Nothing. Kids, think of it like this. Picture the biggest Lego set you've ever seen. It's pretty exciting, right? You're getting, you're getting happy right now even thinking about it. Um, picture that. And think about like, how long it would take for you to put that together. It would take forever, right? And yet your younger sibling could destroy it in a second, couldn't they? Right? I mean, that's, that's trust. It takes forever to build. Years to build. And we can... Destroy it in a moment. Like, and you, you've, you've seen it, right? You've watched it crumble before your eyes in your own life and the lives of others. Deceit destroys. It destroys others. It destroys us. It even ultimately erodes our ability to trust God. And if you think about it, and I know this sounds extreme. You're not going to believe this, right? But if you think about it, lying is one of the most satanic things that you can do. Because he is the father of lies. And when we do, when we play games with the truth, we join his side. I mean, the very first temptation began with a lie. And every temptation, every sin that you and I go into, right? It begins with a lie within us. And yet, on the opposite spectrum, God is the source of all truth. And we're made to be like him. And so when we lie, part of our souls unravel. Yeah, but. Nathan, I wouldn't call myself a liar. Well, of course you wouldn't, right? Because the person you're best at lying to is yourself, right? Me too. We're experts at this. And I know, I know how easy it is to only kind of lie. You know, those little tiny indiscretions, exaggerations, half-truths, slight deceptions. But be careful. Truth is a muscle. The more you haggle with it, the easier it gets to deceive, and we can get good at it, can't we? I'm sure it might, in that situation, it might just be a, a little a little white lie, and yet the next time maybe it won't be. 
You'll soon be in a position where it'll really matter and the lies will just glide out of your mouth way too easily. And you'll ruin a relationship and murder trust. Be careful with lies. Second, gossip. Oh, thank God none of us are guilty of this one, right? Listen, few things can destroy a church faster than gossip. And if you love this place, nip it in the bud. It's just not worth it. I mean, if you, it, it, kill, it kills friendships, it kills families, it destroys community. And if it happens here, it defaces the bride of Christ. Like, if it is found here, it makes the message that you and I hold to, it makes it look ridiculous, Right? We can't allow it to exist, certainly not in a community like this, but anywhere, because it, it, will, it will destroy. So Proverbs 16, let me read a couple of them. Proverbs 16, 28. A gossip separates close friends. 18, 8. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. 20, 19. The one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. Stay away. So what is gossip? You should probably define that too, right? Maybe, maybe a simple definition here is gossip is talking about another person in a way that you wouldn't want to be talked about. Gossip is talking about another person in a way that you wouldn't want to be talked about. Whether it's true or false, right? Whether you're the one talking or the one listening, either way you can be a gossip. And it probably wouldn't be said if they were standing right there. And like lies, it destroys reputations, communities, all in order to prop yourself up. I mean, similar to lies, right? That's why we do it. We want to look better. We want to feel better. We, we want, I mean, if there's somebody worse than me, then I can, I can pat myself on the back, right? We, we, we love to do that. It makes us feel good about our own joke and our own junk. And speaking of what God hates... Gossip almost, almost always comes from a place of haughty eyes, right? Remember that list? And yet in some sick, twisted way, it is delicious, isn't it? I mean, like, like the proverb says, it goes down into the belly. Oh, yum, yum, yum. It's so good, right? Why, what, what is wrong with us that satisfies us so much? Don't do it. The Proverbs, and it's, I mean, it's very clear, like, and stay away from the person who does. Because, I mean, I mean, and you know this, right? If you're listening to them gossip about somebody else, like, what are they saying when you're not in the room? Like, you cannot trust that person ever. And we've talked already about the erosion of trust. Like, it destroys the relationship. And I know, like, we can say, well, I'm just venting. Really? Really? Is that all it is? Well, I just really think we should pray for this person. Really? That's what you're going to go with? I mean, listen, don't you dare hide your gossip behind a veneer of empty spirituality. It just doesn't work. Don't do it. What about, what about celebrity gossip? Right? Huh? I mean, that's harmless, right? I'm not going to destroy Prince Harry's life, am I? Well, probably not, Right? But listen, again, just like, just like the small lies, be careful with this one because you're feeding that appetite. And it tastes so good, right? You're going to get a, a, a 
create a habit around it that makes it feel like it's okay. And before long, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter. Prince Harry, like whatever, okay? Maybe you can justify that. But before long, like that, it's just going to slip out. And you're going to destroy your neighbor. Or you're going to say something about a sibling that you cannot get back or about a close friend. And it will, it will kill the relationship. If you wouldn't want it said about you, true or false, behind your back, don't say it about others. Don't listen to it. It's just not worth it. All right, deep breath, one more. One more, I know. It's heavy stuff, right? Because we're all guilty. I'm guilty, you're guilty. We do these things. But third, third is bullying. Number three, bullying. I mean, it's not just something kids do. Like we don't, as adults, we don't have to worry about that one, do we? I don't know. I mean, I've read some of your Facebook posts. Some of you are just mean, right? And I can be mean. Like I, sometimes I surprise myself with the anger that lives in here and the way it can express itself in such harsh, belligerent tones. Any of us can play the bully in a heartbeat. Look at a couple of Proverbs on this. Proverbs 22.10. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. 15.4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 15.1. I love this one. Man, if we just memorized this one and tried to live according to listen to this. Today, how badly we need this. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. How many of us just love stirring that pot, right? We do it, don't we? I mean, some of us, some of us talk to others like we're the host of our own political talk show. You know that's not okay, right? Like, and even, even to watch that stuff, like, don't do that. It's not worth it. I mean, I, seriously, like some of us would be like, I am not going to watch a movie with X amount of bad words in it, but we'll watch this garbage of people, the rhetoric, the, ang- the anger that comes out in those moments of destroying and demonizing people who disagree with us. I mean, you know that's going to come out of you eventually, right? Like if you put that in you and you think that's normal and it's okay to talk to another human being like that, like it's going to come out and it will destroy you. For the responses sometimes that we, we give on social media like, we forget that there's, a, there's an actual person made in the image of God behind that. Like, you wouldn't even talk to your dog like that, right? And for some of us, I mean, some of us have these relationships inside our own home. Maybe you bully your spouse. You bully your kids. Maybe you're the bully at work. No, I'm just the boss. I'm in charge. Really? Really? No, you're a bully. If that, if that describes your situation, first of all, if you're a victim of such abuse, please seek help. Talk to us. Talk, you're not alone in that. Please find help and let us be a part of that. We want to enter that with you. And if you're on the other end of that, if you're the bully, you also need help. Talk to us. We, we want to walk, walk alongside you in that. Listen, you better repent because if you don't, sooner or later, God will cut you down. He's not going to stand for it. And I know those are, maybe it seemed like the extreme examples. And yet there are ways in which I think all of us do this at times. I know I do. Why do we do it? 
Why do bullies bully? Well, it makes us feel big, doesn't it? It makes us feel strong. If we say our opinion loud enough, it sounds right. We feel like we're important, better, all at the expense of making the other people around us feel small. Shame on me. And, and nobody, nobody wants to be the liar or the gossip or the bully, right? And yet how easy it is for any one of us to kill with a word. Friends, we need to learn a better language. We need words that heal. And that's the beautiful thing about the Proverbs. Yes, there are a lot of warnings about the words that murder. But there's also great instruction about what, what are the words that heal. Because you, you have the power to bring life to somebody with your words. Like, and you know that. Like, you've seen that happen. As you said an encouraging word or an empathetic comment right to somebody, or you've received that, like, you know the life that comes out of that with a simple word. And so how do we, how do we learn the language of healing? Well, there's three things here, too. I'll try to be quick. Three things. Well, it starts, if you want to learn this language, language of healing, it starts with listening. It starts with listening. You know, some of us would get in a lot less trouble with our words if we just used less of them, right? I can see it on some of your faces. You first, preacher! No, I get it, right? I know, I know. I know. But all of us need to listen more. Proverbs 10, 19, for example, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. Or 18, verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I mean, how much heartache could be avoided if we just listened? To the people who are hurting around us, to um, the people that, that disagree with us, like if we just listened. Instead, for most of us, while others talk, we're too busy reloading, Right? And we get so obsessed with the sound of our own voice that we crowd out anyone else to say anything. Sometimes the very best thing you can say to another person is to say nothing at all. If you want to learn the language of healing, you've got to start with listening. Start with listening. Second, second words of healing, according to the Proverbs, they come out slow. They're deliberate. They're thought out, right? They're on purpose. They're patient. Look at 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. You know, stab, 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 stab. But the tongue of the wise bring healing. Or 29, 20. Listen to this. I mean, this is so extreme. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And then, of course, by contrast, 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Our lips need breaks, don't they? I mean, for example, I was uh, on some, you know, did a lot of cycling um, in my time off. And um, on my very last bike ride, my very last day of sabbatical, as I was, I'm not exaggerating, as I was literally entering my neighborhood. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I was just like riding high on life or whatever, the serotonin, the endorphins, but I took that corner way too fast. And I've taken it so many times, but like as soon as I started turning, I'm like, this is not going to end well. Like, like I knew, it was like slow-mo, and I was like, I could, I could break. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't break at all. I just kept going, and I landed right in a bush. 
like covered in mulch. My shoulder still hurts. And for like, I don't know, why did I break? They're there. And the reality is we could do so much, I could do so much more damage with my words. And how many, how many times would such pain in my life and the life of those around me be solved if I just waited? Deep breath, count 10. Don't rush. Think about what you're going to say. Break, you idiot. What is our hurry, people? Healing words take time. And they come out slow. Finally, words that heal speak life. Life. I mean, again, just got to let that sink in, that you have the power of life in your words. 1624. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Say I love you more. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. Say I forgive you. I'm I'm here for you no matter what. Say you can do it. And even if you can't, I'm still here. Say God loves you. Christ died for you. Your failures do not define you. Life in a word to the people around us. There's an old saying. It's attributed, I think, to Plato originally, but nobody really knows. Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. I love that. We're all, we're all wounded and battle-worn. Every one of us. And we have the power of grace in our mouths to share with another person. And you can receive it, and you can give it, and you can kill, or you can heal. All right, so... Hop to it. Get it done, right? I mean, try harder. The reality is we've tried trying harder with this, haven't we? I mean, how many times have we said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to respond like that. I'm not going to listen to that again. We've tried trying harder. And so let me show you what I am convinced, I'm absolutely convinced is the key. And I don't mean a quick fix. There, there is no quick fix to this, right? And, and certainly I'm not talking about perfection. Every one of us is going to continue to struggle. We'll struggle with this for the rest of our lives. And yet, I think we can learn this new language. Well, how? Well, how did you learn English? Or, or the first language that you learned, how did you learn it? Well, by listening, right? By, by the words spoken around you by, and to you by a parent, by, by your family, by the people, the, the people closest to you, and you, you absorbed it that way. And friends, you and I, we, we are ch- if, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. We are in his household, and he says all kinds of words to you and to me and around us and in his community and family together. What, is, what does God say about you? I mean, this, this is the only way, people. We are so polarized right now, so angry. We're just mean, and every word of death, I mean, think about this. Every word of death that comes out of our mouths, it's, it is an act of self-protection, isn't it? We, we want to prove that we're good enough, right enough, that we're better than those, and that we've, we've got our junk together, right? It's, it's, all, it's all an attempt to save ourselves, if we're honest. It's our, it's our attempt at self-justification to make myself feel okay, whether you're a gossip, a liar, or a bully. But what does God already say about you if you're his? 
He calls you beloved. Even though we've been an unfaithful wife and he pursues us. I mean, the same God who created the universe with a word calls you daughter, son, even though we run from him at every turn. He calls us friend. He labels you forgiven. He says, I'm not done with them yet. He, he says that you're, you matter, that you actually, you sitting there individually, you matter. And he says to the cross that he'd rather suffer and die than spend eternity without you. You. And if those are the words that we've heard, and we hear them over and over and over again, if that's what we, the language we surround ourselves with, and we believe what he says, then we can speak life to those around us. And let me even just say, because we all do, I think... I, Right? I mean, I'm not the only one. We hear this. I'm like, yes, I want, I want it. My kids need life from me. My, my wife needs life from me. My, the people I work with and spend, my neighbors, we need life. Like, we, we get that, right? I think we're on the same page. So how do we, how do we actually grow in this? Well, if you, if you want to be fluent in God's language, then you have to immerse yourself in what he says about you every day. You've got to read the Bible every day. Because that's, that's what God says about you. You've, you've got to pray. You've got to spend time in solitude and community with people who say these same things to you. You've got to attend church regularly. I mean, full immersion in the language of God. And we can learn. And when we, when we learn his language, let me, let me just give a quick example of this. Uh, Wednesday this week, first thing in the morning, I opened my, my email and I... I got an email that I just assumed was going to ruin the rest of my day, honestly. It was one of those. Um, and hear me out. So it was somebody from out of town, uh, visited uh, one of our campuses, our downtown campus, um, and made it really clear that this is kind of what he does. He goes to churches and he writes a public critique of them and puts it on his blog, which we love criticism. I mean, feedback. I mean, we know we've got a long ways to go. So that, that in itself, that's great. It's fine. But he shared, he shared some of his story in the email of just, just deep woundedness by the church. I mean, spiritual abuse from a lot of churches. Um, he, he talked about being a disciple of atheist Christopher Hitchens. I mean, he, he wrote in a place of deep pain. I mean, I, as I read it, like, I, it just hurt reading it because I know in many ways there's so, there's so much truth there, right? We, I mean, he's angry at the evangelical church broadly, and there's a lot of good reason to be. I mean, I, I, I get that. And some of you have experienced that. You know what that's like. So I clicked open on the blog and I braced myself for the, the worst, for his critique of us. What did he find here? Well, in the midst of all of his skepticism and anger, listen to what he writes. You can, you can Google it. You can find his blog, I'm sure. Um, it's really long, but he concludes with this. He says, The spiritual lessons from Christ's community came alive. And there is another aspect that I also chewed on as well over the past week. Listen to this. Are there different streams of Christianity with some being aggressive and militant and others being kind and compassionate? If I'm going to be honest and committed to truth, I need to reflect more upon that at a later time. And did you hear what he said there? Like his expectation is Christians are militant and aggressive and some of us have earned that title, right? And shame on us. Like, we speak death all the time to the world around us instead of life. But what diffused his anger and hurt? 
Could there also be Christians who are kind and compassionate? Friends, can that be us? Can, can we be that kind of community? And not, not just for random bloggers, although I'm glad that was experienced. We've communicated, he and I, since then uh, a little bit as well. I thanked him for his words and all that. Um, but for the sake of us all, we need it so badly. I need life from you. You need life from me and from one another. Will we kill or will we heal? And I actually want us to take a minute to answer that question. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just rush past this because this is heavy stuff, right? We all, I think we all feel it. And so we're going to take a, a moment or two of just quiet confession to do work with God um, in our own souls, to pray, to confess, to reflect on these things. Um, after about a minute or so, Patrick is going to sing a song of God's words over us, of what is true about you and me as followers of Christ. Um, but in this space, there's three questions to reflect on, first of all. First, what does God say about me? Like, you've got to do that work first, right? Because the rest is just going to be trying harder if you don't know what God says about you, that you are loved and pursued and forgiven. Like, that has to come first. Number two, who do I need to apologize to? Like, some of you are sitting with that. You know you've done, you've killed too many people, and you need, you need to apologize. And third, who do I need to speak life to? So do that work mentally. Um, and then also, there are note cards underneath your chair. Grab one of those. We want you to take that with you. Um, and to write either a note of apology to someone um, or a note of encouragement. Um, don't let this opportunity pass you by. You, you know, even as I said that, right? You, you know who you need to apologize or who might need encouragement from you. Grab that card, take it with you. Um, and whichever feels most urgent, send them that note. Will we kill or will we heal? Let's take a quiet moment together. The reality is that no matter how old we are, how much influence we have, the place we find ourselves in tomorrow morning, whatever it is, all of us possess the ability to speak life and death into someone else's life. And, and, and what I, I hope we leave this place feeling is the stewardship of that. That all of us, I think, long to have an impact on this world. We want to do great things. But what we sometimes miss out on is that we have the ability to change the trajectory of someone's life with our words. And so may we be a generous people with our words of life. May we go into tomorrow morning and all the places that God is going to send you in your school, your home, your place of work. May we go in with eyes wide open, with our mouths open, willing to speak words of life and refrain from speaking words of death. As Nathan mentioned, the card on your, uh, your chair, I'd encourage you to, to fill this out, uh, to send it to someone who you know just needs a word of encouragement, of love, of correction. Perhaps it's a word of apology. Would you take this card and consider who to share this, uh, this card with? Well, as we, as we leave this place and prepare uh, to be the church gathered into the church scattered, Hear these words from the book of James, the, the New Testament book of Proverbs, and the wisdom that James gives us. May we leave this place hearing these words. Brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." Go in peace. Have a great week.